0: As we speak this morning, I'd like to take us down a little path here. Well, I'm going to start out by thinking, want you you think about forgiveness? So we're going to take kind of in three steps. I'm going to start out telling you a story that you guys already probably know about a guy who did something he shouldn't have done. And then we're going to talk about how Paul had to deal with forgiveness here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And then I'd like us and to personally think about the role of forgiveness in each of our own lives. And so I'm going to start out talking about a guy that you probably know. His name is Michael Vick. Michael Vick. Many people know who Michael Vick is. Many people knew who Michael Vick was when he was just a football player, but he became very, very famous when he got in trouble for dog fighting. And when he got in trouble for dogfighting, he ultimately got sent to jail because he was convicted of dogfighting, And so he spent a few years in jail. And when he came out, there was an interesting response. Some people said he should never be allowed to play football again. Some people said he paid his dues. He can play again. And some people say, well, if he's not allowed to play football, what job is he allowed to have? If you're not allowed to be a football player, does that mean you're not allowed to be a construction worker? That's what you want to be. You're a smart kid. So you think, how do we handle this situation? Some people, it's like unforgivable. Just never should be able to make, you know, when Michael Vick was playing football the first time, he became rich. You know what happened when he went to jail? He went bankrupt. He went bankrupt and spent two prime years of his life in jail. Was that enough? Should we forgive? What's the role of forgiveness in the story of Michael Vick? And now I'd like to talk just a minute here too about the role of forgiveness that Paul has in Corinth. Remember, Corinth has got they, they, all these troubles, right? Four letters, the severe letter. We go on to verse one in chapter two, it says, for I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. Remember he said he tried, decided not to visit them twice. He said, I didn't want to make a visit to you because I knew it would be Painful. So is he just avoiding his problems? Sometimes when we have difficult situations with people, what do we just do? We just avoid them cleverly for a very long time. Well, I don't think that's what he's doing. We go to verse two. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pain? See, he's like, we're supposed to make one another glad. When I come, these are supposed to be joyous times, but all this will be pain. We go to verse three, and I wrote as I did so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. When I visit, we should be rejoicing together, not feeling pain. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears. See, writing the letter hurt. Writing the severe letter alone was painful. I mean, have you ever written that email that you write it? I haven't written very many letters, so I have to talk about emails. Uh, you write that email and then you, hopefully most of the time you get smart and you delete the email and you never send it and you just feel better that you wrote it. That's usually the better thing to do half, half those times. But sometimes you write it and it almost just hurts that you have to say it. And he's like, even writing the letter to you caused tears. Not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love I have for you. So why did he write it? Was why did he write the this painful letter? Was it to hurt them? It was to show them that he loved them. See, sometimes love, you know, there's a very famous phrase, love hurts, right? Love hurts. Love hurts. And sometimes we get the idea that when we love someone and, you know, maybe, and especially in the romantic sense, oh, we love each other, so this is going to be happy all the time. There's never going to be any pain. Maybe that works in heaven. I'm not sure. I've never been there. I'm, I'm sure it works in heaven, but it doesn't work here, right? Love has pain. And sometimes you need to fight through that pain in order to, to do the right thing. So he says, I wrote this painful letter. It hurt me. It hurt them. But he needed to do it to show your love. You know, it's a, uh, I knew this guy, his name was Bobby, and, you know, he, he would discipline his children. He, he would spank his children, and he would always say, I sit down, and I, before I would, punishment really of any kind, he would say, before I ever do anything, I sit down and talk about it, talk to him, and I'd say, you know I love you, I care about you, and I'm I have to punish you because I want what's best for you, right? Sometimes whether it's being grounded for the trampoline, which was my mom's uh, choice for me to be grounded from, they found that spanking me didn't work so well. I was just so stubborn that I wouldn't uh, obey anyway. But if she took the trampoline way, ah, oh, she just melted me, right? I love the trampoline, and so you have to do things sometimes that hurt in order to move forward, that caused pain. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, in, but in some measure. So it, it did cause Paul pain, not to put it too severely to all of you, but it really, really hurt you. So this per, the people that were the ones that started this whole mess, they've hurt me, but they've hurt you even more. And so because they've started this thing, there's this conflict between them and Paul, and it's just pain, pain, pain. And you know how these conflicts go. At some point, you can't hardly even tell who started it anymore, right? You just know you don't like them. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So he says to them, They apparently punished him in some way. We don't really know what that punishment was. And he says, that was enough. Me coming and laying it on thicker would have been no help. So when someone does something they shouldn't, should they be punished? Well, it seems like the person that caused this problem was punished. There were consequences for what they did. But are those consequences infinite? I would argue there are almost no puni- I think there is no punishment from God that is infinite and eternal that you can never recover from, that you're eternally cursed or eternally punished for eternity. So the one, the only one I could think of off the top of my head, and the reason, of course, you guys know I think about it all the time is because of my dissertation and everything, but the one that normally was the one you could you could never return from, was if you've been divorced, you had an eternal punishment. You couldn't be a pastor, deacon, some places you couldn't be a Sunday school teacher, some places you couldn't be whatever, right? It was an eternal lifetime sentence of consequences. And while sin have consequences and there's punishments, I don't think there is lifetime consequences. Now, there may be consequences if you do something wrong in the short term. Obviously, if you, you know, steal money from someone, I'm not going to hand you my wallet again the next day. I mean, there, there, there's consequences, but there's not an eternal punishment. See, even Paul here says they've caused all this problems, right? He's skipping a trip. He's, he's tearful in his writing, but even then, he doesn't seem to want to lay it on even thicker than it had already been. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So the person that had done wrong, that had deserved punishment, Paul ultimately says, when the punishment is laid, when the consequences have been put out, you need to forgive. You need to comfort them, not overwhelm them with sorrow. See, I think the unforgiveness, if you never let it go, it just hurts everybody. It hurts everybody. Being angry at the person the rest of their life in your life, it hurts you. You're bitter. You're upset. Every time you see them, it makes you mad. Every time, you know, feelings don't go away overnight, but when you forgive someone, Eventually, why those feelings aren't better the next day? Eventually, if we truly forgive, those feelings can improve. And then one day, we can have complete reconciliation. And so that's why I think Michael Vick deserved a punishment. And you could debate whether that's 10 years in jail, 2 or 50. I mean, that, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have some sort of big thing on how long it should have been. But at some point, at some point, you have to say, that was the punishment. You said you're moving on. You've got to move on. At some point, it's got to be over. Because we live in a sinful world. Bad things are going to happen. And if every bad thing, that ha- every sinful thing that we do or other people do to us, if we never get over them, guess what's going to happen? Every one of them is just going to build and build and build and build. Sometimes... Bad things happen to us when we are very young. Very young. And it's horrible. It's hard. You didn't deserve it. You didn't, nothing your fault, it happened to you. And because you're so angry about it, and rightly so, it shouldn't have been done to you. Rightly so. It can ruin you the rest of your life. That person may not even remember doing it to you. And it still ruins you. You can't forgive. I, I remember there's a, a story, a, a woman, she she's a woman now, she was a, she was a teenager and she went on a date with a guy. And uh, she went on this date and they, whatever, 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 drive somewhere, blah, 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 blah. And he starts forcing himself on her. And she fights and claws and gets away and whatever and, and so on and so forth. And she talked about how years and years and years this affected her. She could just never stop thinking about it. It just hurt her and hurt her and hurt her, affected her her relationships, it affected the way she viewed men in general, she just could never get over it, it was just this lifelong thing that she could, and then she saw the guy one day, he came back into town for something, this was years later, and he saw her, and he said, I am so, so sorry for what I did, I, I never should have done it, and then that was it, and he walked away, they didn't even know each other, and she said, once she got to the point where I could say, I forgave him, she could move on with a life. Because long as she was angry at him, it affected her in a negative way. We need to be able to have forgiveness. Not only for the person being forgiven, but for us. Verse 8, for I, so I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. He says, you forgive them, I'll forgive them. Ultimately, if they're truly repentant right, Christ will give them. So that we would not be outwitted by Satan. For we are not ignorant of, the design, of his designs. What does Satan want us to do? The sin's gonna happen, and if he can make that sin into a lifelong hate, he wins. The sin is going to happen. Mistakes are gonna be made, misunderstandings are gonna happen. We can't stop those. Well we can we can minimize them, but we can't stop them. And the devil can take those and tear us apart. I'd like you to think about this. What if what if Christ's forgiveness for us? What if Christ's forgiveness for us had some sort of caveats? What if Christ's Forgiveness for us was like, well, you did a little too much. That was a little too hurtful. That was too far. I mean, the dogfighting, that was too much. That was too much. If Christ had the caveats on forgiveness that we often have for each other, all of us would be going to hell. All of us would be going to hell. Because Christ... Forgiveness, when we truly repent to him, as far as the east is from the west, he forgives completely. So he frees us from the, we are free indeed. We are free indeed. And we truly, truly have freedom in Christ because he he forgives. This morning, if if you don't have that freedom, right? The freedom in Christ when you repent freedom of Christ when you repent is the ultimate choice you can make in your life. And then if you've made that choice, let me ask you this. Are you emulating? Are you emulating that kind of forgiveness in your life that God has shown you? Not that there's no consequences. Not that you don't have punishments. Not that things don't happen because of the mistakes you make. But are you holding the bitterness? Are you holding the anger? Are you saying, it's too much? Never forgive. Never stop being bitter over that one. Never stop being angry. Because if we do that, we probably shouldn't call ourselves little Christ, right? Because Christ, Christ, he forgives us completely. We're to sing a song. We don't know the song. It's new. Sing it if you know it. It's called Beautiful Things. It talks about how Christ makes beautiful things out of us. And how does He make beautiful things out of us? He forgives us completely, and the sinful person we are is made beautiful. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just pray as we come and we sing this song together that we that we would realize the way that you have made us beautiful is through forgiveness. You forgave us when we did not deserve it. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, that we could have the opportunity to be a beautiful thing in your sight. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.